Ready to apply the power of brain science? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make it the show? Start the clock! And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here as always. We're going to talk about the organ that best defines who you are tonight. And I'll just let you uh, roll around in the gutter and think about that for a moment uh, while we go ahead with the rest of uh, the program. Uh, as you know, if you follow this program uh, and you're probably getting really sick and tired of seeing me do this uh, three weeks ago now, um, Chris Barris from SES Research was with me, and he had this product called My Vital C. It's right here, and it's here, My Vital C. And uh, it's a supplement, and there were some extraordinary claims made about this su supplement, uh, one being that it can prolong your life span by 90% or more, which is certainly <laughs> an extraordinary claim. And obviously, there are no 140-year-old people walking around, so how do they know this? Well, when Chris was a graduate student back in 1991, this uh, the basic element of this uh, was discovered, ES-60. Uh, uh, and what it was is a carbon molecule that uh, they... They tested for toxicity on lab animals and found out not only that it was non-toxic, but it increased the life of the lab uh, mammals uh, for 90% or more, basically doubling their lifespan. How about that? And it was also tumor-free life and said to give them a better quality of life, meaning um, they, they uh, had more energy and had better sleep. Now, how, how you really measure sleep in a lab rat, I do not know. But those are extraordinary claims. So uh, it, the FDA did some testing on it and finally approved it for human consumption in 2013. Humans have been using it since 2013 and claiming extraordinary results. Those extraordinary results include more energy, sleeping better, and better brain function, which uh, is interesting. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how uh, you would measure that. I'm not aware of my brain function, uh, but I know that for the first 13 days I've been taking this stuff, I did feel more energy and slept better. And then I had a crash day a couple of days ago, uh, just had no energy at all and was really, really feeling down. I did take this twice a day, uh, but that day it didn't seem to work. Then yesterday it seemed to bounce back, and today I'm, I'm fine, and I do have more energy again. So I've been on it uh, for 15 days now, 14 out of 15 days. I've seen some good results on it. Now, I can't tell you whether I'm thinking any more clearly. I don't know if, how, if I was ever thinking all that clearly to begin with. Uh, I don't think anybody really is cognizant or uh, just thinking about how how clear am I thinking. But so it it's extraordinary claims. And so uh, I told Chris at the time I was skeptical. And being a skeptic, uh, I question everything, especially when there are claims like this. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So he said, how about this? I'll send you some. You can use it for free uh, for uh, six weeks. You have me back, and we'll talk about uh, the results you have with it. And I said, fair enough. Uh, and I just want to say, this is not a sponsorship and not a paid promotion in any way. And many people have written to me and said, hey, this guy's getting over on you. He's getting free advertising. Let me, let me just straighten this out. He's not getting over with me. Anybody who wants to come on the program and give me free stuff to try, I'm happy to do that. So uh, I understand that he's getting free advertising for this, even though this is not an advertisement or promotion. I'm using it to test. Uh, but anybody is welcome to come on and give me free stuff. I'm always open to getting free stuff, and I'll talk about it and use it every day. So I'm doing it on the air only for one reason, to hold myself, well, for two reasons, actually, to hold myself accountable and so that there's video proof of it so that we can say, absolutely, he's been doing it twice a day. It goes really quick, so I'm going to do it right now. It won't take up too much more time with it. we already overspent some time here on this. It's just like this. And that's it. Uh, now, it does need to be taken with a water chaser because it's absolutely horrible tasting. And that's the first thing I'm going to tell them is if they can make cough syrup taste uh not terrible. They can make that stuff taste not terrible. 
Um, so that's uh, that's the deal with that. He'll be back October 29th at 1 p.m. Please join me then, and we're going to re- review my results, and we'll see how I'm doing, see if I'm going to live to be 140. Uh, my sponsors tonight, my real sponsors, my actual sponsors, FunWise Capital. You know about them. They've been with me now for two months. Uh, they're a business lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit score to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. That's right. I said start. If you don't have a business, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get the funding, get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply dot funwise.com slash mind dog in case i said it too fast of course the links will be in the description and i do appreciate you uh patronizing my sponsors as i mentioned we're going to talk about the organ that really defines who you are have you guessed what it is yet all right get your minds out of the gutter i'm talking about your brain people uh my guest today holly g green uh is an experienced business leader and behavioral science holly has a rare combination of extensive academic training and in the trenches experience working in leading organizations. She has also worked with the elite performers, including the United States Navy SEALs, top gun fighter pilots, Olympic athletes, senior NFL referees, and FBI Leadership Academy, and two United States presidents. Hmm, I wonder which ones. Holly is a former president of the Ken Blanchard Company and a co-founder of of a biotech firm. She worked in senior leadership roles with global giants, including Coca-Cola Company, uh, Dell Computer, Deloitte, LLP, uh, and Base Hotels and Resorts. Holly serves on the board of advisors for the Global uh, for the Global Innovation Institute and provides strategic advice and guidance to number numerous 501c3 organizations for you that don't understand what that uh, 501c3 is. That's uh, nonprofits. Ladies and gentlemen, please open up your minds, open up your ears, and help me welcome in Holly G. Green. Holly, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here with you. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. So brain function is something that... Um, Everybody would like to have a better, better uh, functioning brain. Um, first of all, before we get started, what do you think about uh, the claims that uh, a supplement can give you better brain function? Well, I would say, you know, nothing's impossible, but I would be beyond skeptical uh, because it just it, it clearly hasn't been tested in any lengthy sort of or we don't have empirical data on humans. And we, listen, the science of the brain is in its infancy. It's a dynamic and evolving space. We are unlearning probably as much as we're learning right now. Things that we thought were so for decades were proving to be absolutely false. So I just don't think we know enough, number one. Number two, did they do a high format functional magnetic resonance imaging test on your synapses in your brain or pathways or neural activity before you started taking the supplement? Uh, I've been taking it for 15 days now. Yeah. So if they didn't do any kind of test before, it's kind of hard to know about your brain functioning after. Right. right? So exactly. Um, you know, the placebo <laughs> effect is very powerful. If we think we're going to have more energy because we're doing taking something, then we oftentimes do. Here, Here's the deal with your brain as far as that goes. It does not discern the difference between a real and an imagined thought. That's called cognitive fusion. And so if we think we're going to feel better, we think it's going to give us energy, we think it's going to prolong our life. The interesting thing is it could, but probably not as a direct result of the supplement, probably because you start making better choices, you start doing things differently, maybe you exercise more. So, you know, it's a fascinating thing how all the pieces and parts of our brain work together. Um, But there have been so many things we've tested on uh, other creatures, if you will, that just definitely did not play out with the adult human. Think about the difference in the brain between a mouse or a rodent and a human. The complexity levels are just exponential. Absolutely. And that was one of the things I mentioned is how can you tell? First of all, I I don't think anybody walks around 
literally uh, aware of how well, well their brain is functioning or ever gives any thought to it. Is my brain functioning well? And how do you measure that if, you, if you're just a regular person before you take the supplement and after you take right. the supplement? Uh, right. so, how would you even, I mean, what is brain function? How would we even define it? You know, it would be different if you had a, a hundred neuroscientists, you'd have a hundred and one definitions of what that even means. So, well, for him, I think it meant for 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 the purposes of that stuff, it, it, what it meant was clarity of thought. But again, I, I don't know how clear I think. Uh, and I don't think anybody is aware of how clear are your thoughts. Uh, you know, everybody would say, "Well, I think I'm, uh, I feel okay." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting idea. Um, again, you know, I don't ever try to completely discount or dismiss anything because we don't know what we don't know yet. But I would be a little beyond skeptical, especially at this stage. Well, I, I think what you just mentioned, what you just defined is skeptical. I, and, and because uh, the, the difference, and we talk about this a lot of times, between, between being uh, cynical and, and skeptical. And cynical is just closing my mind and saying, no, no, it's, it's silly, it's hogwash, it's snake oil. And I, I know a lot of people have reacted to that like it's snake oil. And, uh, you know, as a skeptic, uh, I'm, I'm willing to say maybe, but I wanted to see for myself. And I can well, tell you... Yeah. So what do you, what you described to me there, and I will move on to to more interesting things to you. But uh, <laughs> what you described to me there was almost like the placebo effect. You were saying so. You know, basically, uh, I think it's going to have this effect on me, so I start uh, mm -hmm. behaving differently, and then mm -hmm. attribute those qualities that are in increased right. improvement in my life to this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think cognitive fusion is insanely powerful. It's it's what enables us to have empathy, right? Because I can, <clears throat> excuse me, I can imagine what you're feeling. I can begin to feel it sincerely. It's why people cry at Hallmark movies. It's why we can go to a scary movie and actually be afraid or frightened. Why the same toxins could be released in our system if we're watching a scary movie versus if we're really in danger. So the brain on many levels does not discern between that real and imagined. Um, and that plays out in a thousand different ways for all of us all the time. Uh, so I have your website running across the bottom of the screen now. It's uh, thehumanfactor.biz. In case uh, people uh, want to uh, click on it, it will be in the description after the program, and you can go there and find out. So I'm really curious is, uh, with all your, the knowledge that you have about the stuff, about brain activity and, and behavioral science, how do you apply that to uh, real-life situations where people can use it in their, in their daily lives? Sure. And most of the work I do, just to clarify, is in the business sector, if you will, either profit or non-for-profit organizations. Um, but certainly almost everything I talk about can apply in your personal life as well. There's no doubt or question. Um, so I work with a lot of organizations and elite players on strategic agility work, what we call the ability to go fast with focus and flexibility, how to define winning and get there. Um, as efficiently and expeditiously as possible. How do we become more incredible day to day, moment to moment, whatever it is we've chosen to do, as long as it's for good, right? So, so do you, um, what, when I do a lot of keynotes about the brain and, and help people just understand how in a matter of seconds, we can prompt our own brain to think differently, to ponder, to consider, to explore. And that broadens neural pathways versus continuing to do the same thing over and over again. Wow. So that that's interesting that you can um, train your brain to think differently. That that yes. That is an interesting concept to me. Uh, because I'm going to be quite frank, I am a person who is... Uh, emotionally reactive, uh, mm -hmm. and have been my my whole life. I would love to be able to uh, kind of reel that in and be less emotionally reactive and uh, and more thoughtful. What what would you re recommend in a case like that? And how do I get the, get to a place where I'm less reactive and more uh, thoughtful about something? Well, there's sort of two techniques that you can combine and use together that are very powerful. And again, in any aspect of your life, the first is to unlearn, to understand 
what neural pathways do you have? Why do you have them? How well have they worked for you? How often have you traveled them? So for instance, we all have biases, assumptions, beliefs, uh, perceptions, you know, industry standards, all those kinds of things impact what we think and how we think. And the brain really likes what it already knows. So your brain gets great comfort from things it is most familiar with. We tend to do the same things over and over again. We tend to travel the same pathways. Even if it doesn't work well, you probably know people who've gotten in the same bad relationship over and over. <laughs> right? And everybody recognizes <laughs> it but them. And that's because the, the brain really seeks out those comfortable pathways. Kind of like you were walking through a forest, you know, and there's this well-worn trail. So you don't go running off into the brambles and create new pathways. You stick to the pathway. Well, it's basically the same with your brain. It really likes that. It, I always say the brain digs what it is most familiar with. So this ability to think about what we're thinking about, especially when you feel strongly, emotionally triggered, angry, sad, checked out, um, frustrated, that is a time to take a deep breath and really process what am I thinking about? What data do I have? What do I think the data means? Why am I reacting or responding this way? When has it served me well? When has it not served me well? Is it possible just for a moment, if I ponder for three seconds, is it possible I'm wrong? There's different data. Somebody looks at it differently. There's something else going on I don't know. So there's a lot of ways to prompt your brain to think about what you're thinking about. But you first have to create a little bit of space, and I'm talking about seconds, not hours. Right, right. At angle, right? It's just a matter a nice deep breath gives you the space and then you have to kind of poke your brain in Facebook language with what I call a neuro prompt, a quick visit to your brain to prompt you to consider something maybe a little different. And here's a little cool fun fact about your brain. You cannot not answer a question. So I always tell people, make them good. I can prove to you why I'm right. I can dig in. I can validate what I believe because by golly, I have a piece of data. Remember, you didn't smile at me in the hallway. I knew you were out to get me and often I go, right? So right. it is fascinating when we can just take that breath and pause and prompt our brain with some key neuro prompts. What if questions are the most effective? And it forces us to just for just a moment to consider something a little different. And as soon as I start asking those questions, I answer those questions as well, right? I cannot not answer. Right. And this cognitive fusion of, you know, our brain not discerning between real and imagined colludes with, you know, when I focus on why you don't like me, I, sh I told you, you see what he just did? You see what he said? You see how he ignored me? I'm not making this stuff up. Right. And we go running down that path and we prove it's true. We're better at proving ourselves right than any other single thing we do as adult humans. Wow, that's a great quote. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that one. Uh, but and, and what you, there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. But first of all, I, I encourage this idea of considering we might be wrong, uh, and I think that's a lost art in America right now, which is why we have this such strong division of of, yeah. of, of, of people. But now he, here's the other thing. You said you as you were talking, you 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 said something that made me just like grab onto it like a dog with a bone. You said, well, I cannot not answer a question. And I thought right away, what about politicians? They are skilled. It's a skill they learn to not answer a question. And I'm thinking when, when you say that, that you mean to yourself rather than to you, because I can avoid a question to you, but I can't not answer it to myself. Is that what you're saying? Well, and, and so um, because I did have a life previously in, in professional politics, you know, we can be taught to spin. We can be taught to spin the answer in a way, typically what you're seeking there is to make it palatable to the largest pop, uh, possible population. So I can be taught to spin, but yes, in my head, in that flash, you know, I'm, I'm processing and then I'm thinking in the next flash, how do I spin this? How do I present this in the way that's palatable or that, you know, meets with what I've said previously or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So it, we can learn. That is a, a learned skill, right? And if you watch closely people who do it, you're going to notice the breath. 
You're going to notice the second or two of pause because that's when I'm processing what is it I'm going to say. Keep in mind also the, a big factor when you see that happening, and by the way, it happens with actors and actresses, politicians, um, people that are great at customer service. So it plays out in a thousand ways. But mm. I also um, cannot, you know, sometimes when we see that happening, it's because I didn't listen. I'm so prepared with what I'm going to tell you. That's what I'm practicing while you're asking. So I don't even really hear you. It's a very surface hearing, right? Uh, so there's, you know, like most things with the adult human, there's very, very rare that there's a simple cause and effect. There are always a lot of forces and factors typically at play. So uh, you know, those two kinds of things play nicely together. Plus, there could be other factors at play. I could just not care what you think. You know, I could be tired, <laughs> right? There's just so if we we are structure loving animals, and we like things to be cause and effect. Very simple. We our brain searches for that, and it's funny. You you can see it in extremes at times, um, but it's usually life is usually not that simple. Right, and so I often and I I, I want to I just want to touch on that before I go back to where, where I, something else you said. But uh, often we, we assume the cause and, cause and effect without really any scientific principle behind it, and we yeah. jump to conclusions about what cause and effect is when we, we could be way wrong and, and have applied no scientific principle to it. Now, yeah. you, said, you said about that, that second of taking a deep breath, and I've had mindful co mindfulness coaches on, and uh, we've had this discussion a lot. Being... A person who is high, and I'm less now than I ever was, but a highly emotional and reactive. Uh, mm -hmm. I've noticed that I don't, I don't have time for that. Even that breath before my emotion. I'm talking about my past now. I'm I'm getting a little older. Testosterone levels go down, you know. Uh, but uh, the the times when it got me in trouble was there was no time for that to to say, wait a minute, take a deep breath. Before I knew it, I had reacted and already been in that either angry or emotional state of mind rather than uh, ever having that split second, just a split second to say, wait a minute, take a deep breath and, and think about what you're thinking here. Uh, is there any um solution for that mm -hmm. not having that single uh, fraction of a second to, to to have that thought well the funny thing is, is you did have the time you chose not to use the time okay. and so it boils <laughs> down to intention it boils down to intention it boils down to being more intentional about yourself about what triggers you it's it boils down to being aware what are your triggers why are you thinking that way? What do you, what are you presuming and assuming is going to happen if you don't react instantly? Listen, there are times in our life where it's crucial we react instantly. A car pulls in front of us on the highway. It is not the time to ponder and think, oh, maybe they didn't see me. It is a time to swerve out of the way or hit the brakes, right? Those are safety kind of emergency issues. Um, the, here's the challenge is we act like most things in life are that. When in fact, two seconds, three seconds, most times will make absolutely no difference to the outcome except to make you more, to approach it more effectively, to make you more choiceful in what you decide to do. Now, hmm. all humans are emotional creatures. Anyone who tells you they're logical is, is just making it up. We have kind of, if you look at the work of Daniel Kahneman, who is probably, you know, the seminal behavioral scientist, he won the Nobel Prize in economics actually for his work in behavioral science. And he calls it system one and system two. Um, you know, other people call it emotion versus analytics. You know, there, there are all sorts of ways we can kind of parse it. But the bottom line is we are created as best as we understand, and keep in mind everything I'm sharing with you is subject to change tomorrow, but as best as we understand, that instantaneous reaction probably ensured our survival as a species early on. If there was a saber-toothed tiger outside my cave, I didn't pause and ponder, you know, gosh, do I pet the kitty? He killed 14 of my family members last week. Gosh, what should I do? We knew, run really fast or get a big stick. 
So that you know that ability to what what we call today shortcut thinking because you're not processing, you're just reacting. That ability is serves us incredibly well in safety scenarios, emergency scenarios. Um, but we see it also play out every single day in every single meeting that happens between more than two adult humans. Right? <laughs> you see right. they'll cut their arms, they're in fight. They're, they've moved into protective mode. You see them checked out. You hear them raise their voice. Their tone and inflection changes. They pull back from the table. They look at their phone or their device, and there's, oh, yeah, I'm paying attention. Sure, sure. <laughs> so we see it play out in a thousand ways today, um, but it, it's not very helpful. Most of us, most days, are not living in true life and death scenarios. Uh, listen, some people are because of where they live in the world and you know the things right. going on but most of us most days are not but right. we behave most times as if we are yeah good good stuff uh i i got uh, a question from from sandy just please i thank you for the question hold on for one second because i want to ask uh, a little bit uh, of a follow-up question on what we were just talking about so you talk about these pathways that we carve out and I, i've always and and but you, earlier you said we're unlearning some things that we thought we knew and and that could be the situation here i've always believed that behavior was we tend to um repeat behaviors that where we feel a reward so in the cases where i over emotionally react to something and it didn't work out well but that's the behavior i learned to repeat over and over again so i'm following that pathway that i know and i've been trained to know trained myself to know that it leads to a bad outcome but i keep following it what's behind that <laughs> it's because it's a familiar pathway. So your brain is not discerning at that moment whether there's a reward at the end or a punishment at the end. It's familiar. And remember, our brain loves what's familiar. Whether it's for good or for bad, it loves what's familiar, right? If you look at, at things like addiction, whether that's to drugs or whatever else, People know logically that's not good for them. They know it's not healthy. They know it's going to lead them down a bad path. It doesn't stop the behaviors. The brain likes what it's familiar with. Now, oftentimes in mental health issues, we also have chemical imbalances and other things that are at play, if you will. Um, so I don't want to pretend to be a clinician as far as mental health. But, you know, same bad relationship over and over. Someone at work who you've coached, you've given constructive feedback to, and they keep making those same mistake over and over. But you know they're smart. And they even know that's not the best way to do it, but they're taking the shortcut or they're, you know, not double-checking their work for accuracy or whatever it is. So in that moment, in that reaction, we're not processing the, the final outcome, the reward or the punishment. We're just running down the familiar, well-worn pathway. So does, does that understand? does that mean behavior can't be modified with with uh, oh. with reward or uh, or punishment? <laughs> it can be, it can be, but it's typically not only that. Now, okay. extreme punishment, we can see obviously a pretty quick realization there. Um, you know, that someone needs to do something different. But in the more subtle punishments that impact us, again, go back to bad relationships or mistakes at work. It's it's not typically significant enough, right? So, yeah, I'm the king of bad relationships and mistakes at work, so I know all, all what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> now, now the question from Sandy in, in the audience is, how do you handle trigger factors that bring up emotional trauma? Trauma is a, a huge uh, behavioral shaper, is it not? Yes, yes, it is, of course, because it creates pathways that I go back to, right? So that's why I have to be so intentional. And I, I want to be very, very clear. I'm not a clinician, so I don't want to pretend to be. Um, and I don't want to steer anyone wrong. My work really is um, neurophysiology, but applied to behaviors almost always at work. So let me, um, let me give you that kind of disclaimer. Um, but trauma creates very deep pathways. And so you're going to find 
dramatically different views on whether someone should relive it so they can relive it differently on whether someone should relive it and talk about it so they can sort of get it out in the open and address it more logically. So you're going to find dramatically different approaches to that. I can tell you on the surface, um, not, not necessarily what I would call significant trauma, but let's just say I had a fight with my boss at work and I go home and I tell my husband or my partner about it. My brain is now just traveling down that same pathway again. And then when I tell my best friend over coffee the next morning, I've now beat down that pathway more and more and more. So now what happens is I'm more likely to be more quickly triggered by my boss on something else. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does to me. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, if you think about the brain not discerning well, now on some levels it discerns between uh, you know, relived or imaginary and actual. Of course it does on some levels, but on many levels it does not. Sandra, and let me so, know, let us know if, if that makes sense to you and, and you, you, uh, that, that answer resonates with you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. so now you, you say you work with within mostly within work, uh, parameters. Uh, so I, and, on the surface level, I would think that you're talking about making decisions. But in your bio, I read a whole bunch of stuff about performers, including United States Navy SEALs, Top Gun uh, uh, fighter pilots, and that kind of stuff. So yeah. this is about physical performance as well as just good decision making? Well, and it's beyond just good decision making. Uh, that's certainly a part of it. It's also self-awareness. It's also um, a skill development in how do I think about what I'm thinking about? How do I slow down? How do I help other people expose their thinking process so that I can relate more effectively? So it goes way beyond just the initial making of decisions on our own behavior um, to every single aspect of our life. When we begin to think about what we're thinking about and we truly understand what drives what we call the bubbles or beliefs that are, you know, biases, assumptions, stereotypes, perceptions, etc., that kind of serve as a pair of glasses for us to view the world. Once I can understand that, that can be applied in a thousand different ways to everything from making a presentation to decision making to coaching someone, um, you know, to pursuing a career. It can really be applied in a thousand ways. That's the cool thing about and why I love what the space that I get to work in. First, it's constantly changing. So it's a it's a, a challenge to stay updated and to force myself to unlearn. Right. Because I got into this 20 plus years ago. And boy, there's so much stuff from 20 years ago that we know now is absolutely positively false. Um, so that's kind of fun. I'm a, I'm a learner and I love that. But it impacts everything you do, you see, you feel, you think, it, you know, understanding even surface level about your brain can really be insanely helpful to you. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a, a line here that sometimes gets crossed when when uh, on this program when we're talking about that stuff. And uh, we talk about new age stuff and a lot of stuff comes up and the word consciousness comes up a lot are we learning any more about what what that really is and and, and with a clear definition of what uh, we can we can expect that word to mean <laughs> yeah i'm not aware and you know here's the funny thing listen we don't have little robots that go inside our brain just yet it's like when <laughs> i read any kind of even a medical well-vetted medical article and i read dozens of those constantly you know, when someone says, oh, this is what it means when you're dreaming and this is what's going on when you're asleep. Yeah, you know, it's just total bullshit because there's no way we can know that yet. We're, there's a mass speculation and a huge leap um, between what we can know, what's possible to know today versus the hypothesis. And there's nothing wrong with hypothesis as long as we hold it as hypothesis and, and it's an opinion, a speculation. It's not fact. It's right. not well, that's a, an interesting word that people need to 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 take hold of hypothesis because I hear a lot of stuff 
uh, you, you know, and uh, I don't want to go down this road, but the idea of a theory, uh, there's a big difference between a theory and a hypothesis. A, a theory has to go through a certain degree of testing to be accepted as a theory, where a hypothesis is just an idea that somebody has that hasn't really been tested that much. And I think we just the confusion about those words sometimes the overuse of the word theory uh can can lead to pe- people to some really bad conclusions now from looking at uh what what do i have some questions about um do you work with uh these these groups and companies that you work with do you work with them as individuals because you say you're not a clinician so is it just on a like overall like a 50,000 foot level um, concept level importing concepts and and talking about concepts or do you work with people as like individuals and and try to help them work through whatever uh, barriers or or, uh, things they need to work through? So yes, sort of, (laughs) to both. Um, I typically work with leaders of organizations and his or her team, um, especially on the strategy work. Um, I do work with individuals. That is a very much smaller part. I only typically work with very senior executives. And I do that sort of in the context of the strategy of their organization. So I worked with some amazing individuals, but I don't, and I definitely don't do clinical work. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, So I work in the context of their work and what's going to help them be most successful um, in that culture, with that strategy, with those needs of the organization. Again, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit. Wow. I'm wondering how you you might apply this stuff, because without getting granular about what their people are doing with, you know, their whole behavior, their lives, it's really hard to make big improvements on like how you how your brain operates, because uh, your brain is is uh, subject to so many different things like uh, your physiology, your exercise, how much sleep you get, uh, all, all that kind of stuff can affect it. So how, how does it uh, how does it really work if you're if you just if you don't have the granular knowledge of what everybody's going through to kind of work through those things? So you, well, it's you, like we don't talk about those kinds of things as part of the overall kind of big picture. Certainly we do. But the focus is on what I call data based coaching. It doesn't matter to me what your intentions are. What matters to me is what you do and what you say and how you say it and when you say it, how you show up. Because I can retrain my own brain and yours to do things differently enough that I create new pathways, which then enable all the other things to turn and align. So it doesn't mean we ignore, if someone's going through huge trauma in their life or cancer or they've lost a loved one or, you know, we certainly will talk about that. How is it impacting them uh, in what they do for a living? How is it impacting their thoughts about their future? Of course, we're, we can't segment, you know, our brain into work versus personal versus kids versus whatever. Um, however, The big difference in my approach to coaching is data based. So I'm going to listen to you on your conference calls with your team. I'm going to sit in a meeting. I'm going to watch you. It's, it's about, you know, your body, your body language, your tone, your inflection, your choice of words. That's what betrays what's really going on in your brain. Wow. So you're, you're, there's a lot of people that do coaching just over the phone. Well, it's mostly BS because I can tell you something, but it's my perspective. It's only how I processed it, how I viewed it and how everyone else is bad, blah, 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 blah. Right. So data-based coaching is very, very powerful. Um, And it's a methodology we developed about 20 years ago. Now we can do, we do a lot of other assessments. What's your temperament type? What do you, there are a lot of other things that you can layer on valid instruments um that also can give you insight along the way as well uh so you are uh, i i gather from that answer you are a, a very strong believer in this idea of uh, body language a uh, body communication oh, questionably again yeah. you know what your your body language is betraying what you're thinking what's going on in you you know etc so um that's part and parcel how you show up that's going to make me very paranoid. 
Uh, because then, then I'm like, oh, uh, if I do something that just feels natural, what am I saying in this moment? What What is my body saying? And being aware of that, it's kind of a scary thing. What am I giving away about what I don't even know that I'm thinking? Because I, a lot of the time, it's not, it's not uh, it's not surface level thought it's subconscious thought right so yeah. i don't know i don't know what i'm thinking i'm i'm not aware of what i'm really thinking and to to find myself in a position say w- with my body and say wow what does this say about me it, it kind of that's a scary kind of uh, play, road to go down for a lot of people me especially <laughs> well uh, here's what you want to think about first of all you have to be very careful and not over interpret Right. So somebody right. could scratch their nose. That does not mean they're lying. That does not, you know, so we had, there's a, there's a measure of um, sort of caution we have to apply to interpreting body language as well. What you're looking for, at least what I'm looking for um, in database coaching, for instance, and even any kind of meeting, I'm, I'm, I always say people are my guinea pigs. You know, I'm watching, I'm, I'm listening, I'm picking up on cues and clues not just one single thing in isolation, but how it all fits together, how how someone shows up in total, um, and then what invalidates and what validates that as they go along, right? So because you're picking up on that in others, whether you know you're picking up on it or not, you are. You know, you there's a million tests that we could do where, you know, expressions on faces and what do you think it means and how do we react differently and so you're picking up on it. You just may not be as conscious of what you're picking up on. And people are picking up on it. You know, if I walked up to you and said, yeah, Matt, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, Matt, I am so happy to be here. Right. So I get, yeah. <laughs> it dramatically different things, right? So, right. but we have to be cautious, again, that we don't overinterpret, right? Every little single thing is not something that means oh my god he he raised his right shoulder when he said that so you know that means he's a maniac <laughs> you know it's not that tightly uh, correlated well i, I hope i hope none of my behaviors <laughs> giving me away is that i'm a maniac i was trying to keep that secret um uh but it's, so I think that's what kind of turns me off to the whole science of body language is so many people do um, over oversimplify yeah. it. So we're like, you know, a touch to your face means something and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. What about micro uh, <clears throat> micro expressions? Yeah, I know because in, in your bio it says work with FBI leadership. And I know FBI uh, forensics has that uh, study on on. Uh, people's micro expressions, little sure. things that you won't even notice in a facial expression that can give can be a tell, as like gamblers say. Uh, yeah. th- those are real. <laughs> well, they are, but again, just because one time I itched my face, you know, does not mean everything I've said to you for the last hour is a lie. So, um, yes, there are tells, and we look for consistency in the tells. We look for validity throughout the behavior. Um, it's why psychopaths are so insanely difficult because they don't have the tells, right? Typically. So, so yes, we do have them. Um, they can come out under stress or pressure, you know, or nervousness or anxiety. And that they typically are going to show more there. And that's why some of those techniques would be applied, you know, keeping someone for hours and hours asking the same question. But, you know, there's a, so if you went into the science of all that, why do we ask the same question and over and over, we're looking for variations in your answer, not just the words you choose, but everything about how you answer. Right. So yeah, that's absolutely valid. We just, again, have to be cautious. Some people blink more, you know, their eyes are dry. (laughs) Well, okay. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, we just have to always do that sort of with a measure of, Hmm, does this really think what I think it thinks? Let me let me look for other other indicators to compound or validate what I believe to be the case, and not jump to an immediate conclusion. Gotcha. <laughs> so, uh, am I wrong in assuming that? Okay, so you're working with senior level management in, in a lot of these places. Are you empowering them? to then take this to their uh, their people below them and teach them basically what you've gone through with them. 
Yes. So I'm very much about helping others learn how to be more effective. I always say, if you still need me in a couple of years, I've done a terrible job because my job is to teach you. So you create the skills and abilities so that you can then um, transfer those to others. Now, with some of my clients, I've taught all of their employees, hundreds and hundreds, because we want to create a baseline of understanding that may be consistent across the system. So sometimes I'm, I'm working with people on a plant floor or, you know, in a dairy farm or on a potato farm or, you know, in a multi-gazillion dollar healthcare um, facility. So it varies dramatically. It's all about the need of the client and the system that they're in and what's going to work best in that system. Because all the pieces and parts, I mean, excellence happens in context. Wow. So it does not happen, you know, many of us have probably experienced this later in our lives. You know, we came into a job, we'd been really successful. We went to a new job and we failed. Um, that's because the context changed dramatically, right? So we have to look at things from a system perspective. How do the pieces and parts come together um, and create this? There's a, your system produces exactly what it's set up to produce today. If you have a crappy culture, it's because you've got a system that creates a crappy culture, right? It's, so it, it really is kind of stepping back. And, and again, it's that thinking about what we're thinking about, looking at a system as the system. What does it produce? How does it produce it? And looking at all the elements of that. Wow. <clears throat> it's, it's, it would seem to me, because I talked on this program, oh, so many business leader training people, uh, entrepreneur training people, leadership uh, training coaches, and that's a word that's overused, like completely in my in my view, the word coach. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it seems to me you're the only one taking this approach because I've never heard any of this this stuff you're talking about, about um, behavioral science and behavioral uh, analysis uh, being part of any of the, the stuff they talk about. It's always, um, you know, high it's business school stuff. A lot of the psycho babble that's out there, the Tony Robbins talk repeated in different language and that kind of stuff. Uh, so are you the only person doing this? Are you, are you, are you unique in this, in, in what you do? Well, I think we are fairly unique because we do combine both the logical analytical data-based approach with the behavioral, illogical, irrational human. So there are systems out there that you can apply to do your strategic planning. It isn't going to change your system and it ain't going to change the behavior of the people in it. Most likely they're, they're not bad systems. They're not, you know, there is value to cadence and discipline and structure. And, and is the big word, not, but, and we have to leverage the illogical, irrational human at work um, so that we can all be better. And, and so, um, my academic experience really plays into this because a lot of the coaches and people you talk to, listen, Tony Robbins has been insanely successful in a lot of ways. I disagree with most stuff he says, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty irrelevant because without even knowing what he knows, he's able to convince you, operate with high charisma and great power. <clears throat> so a lot of the coaches and people you talk to that are truly successful in that space, they are doing some of the things we're doing. They just don't know what to call it, right? Necessarily. Right. They don't know the science behind it. They don't know why it works or when it works and when it doesn't work. And I just was very intent on not driving without a license. I wanted to understand the science behind it, right? Um, so that I could be more effective at manipulating people. And that's really what I do for a living. I manipulate people only for good, only yeah. for good. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. And then the, the reference I would make to, to what you just said there, uh, and Eddie Van Halen just passed away yesterday. But for musicians he, uh, who understand, he was great at what he did. He had no clue on how he did it. No yeah. clue. He was uneducated in, in uh, completely uneducated in the science or the yeah. the uh, practice of you know literal yeah. music, uh, but was just great at it. So there are yeah. people that can do that. That's a uh, great example. He was so insanely talented, yeah. but couldn't teach others and was never formally trained. Right. So <clears throat> it's not that other people aren't doing some pieces and parts of what I do. Um, we just kind of, I, I was very intent on bringing it all together 
so that when I do something, I know why and I explain to you why. I always say, you know, okay, I'm going to open the kimono. Here's what, here's why this works. You know, let's talk for just a minute about what's going on in your brain and the brains of others. This is why this works. That enables you to have what's called learning agility, the ability to learn and apply that learning in new and slightly different circumstances. Okay. That's really valuable because a lot of people can learn, but unless it's exactly the same thing again and again and again, they can't apply it. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So the the natural follow up to this is, uh, I know you're working in business and that's great stuff, but why aren't we applying this to uh, education in in starting with children? Well, (laughs) there's a difference in the child's brain from the adult's brain. Okay, yeah. Um, and so I'm always very cautious because I don't study uh, childhood learning, you know, except with my own kids, but um, certainly did not spend the depth of time and energy in that space. So I really am not qualified except to say there are differences. Um, and there unquestionably, could we be doing a much, much, much better job in education globally? Absolutely, unquestionably. You know, memorize, did, memorize, regurgitate is not the not learning. Where where does that uh, difference between the adult uh, brain and the child uh, brain development? Where does that happen, or where does that where does that stop? And uh, you know, what's the dividing point? Is eighteen twenty five? Do you know? That is an incredibly good question that I don't have the answer to, and I don't think anyone really does yet. We, you know, again, a hundred scientists, and you'd get a hundred and one views. That's that's interesting because I've heard stuff, uh, you know, different stuff about when we talk about, you know, alcohol and the effect on people under 25 and, and, and the drastic effects it can have on people uh, under 25 that haven't been studied or haven't really been uh, detailed yet. Um, not, we're coming up on, on you know, almost uh, on, on the hour here and I want, there are other things I wanted to touch on. You talked, uh, you just mentioned in, in uh, passing when I talk, we're talking about body language, about uh, psychopaths not having a, a tell uh, narcissists can be very very and mm-hmm. i'm just going down the road of, of personality disorders or whatever you want to call them, char- character disorders character flaws narcissists can be extremely um uh, effective and successful people but they and and without any and good leaders in in some companies and in, in as well without any of this uh you know even caring about what other people are thinking or reacting or behaving uh why why is why is that that because they can be really super successful despite not having any of the skills or even totally ignoring the skills that you kind of teach and and, and talk about <laughs> well, there is a difference. Narcissists can have psychopathic tendencies, and there is a dis- difference between narcissists and psychopaths or even sociopaths. So, narcissists care more about themselves than typically anything else, but it doesn't mean they don't care about others. Okay. Oh. It's just that they care more about themselves. Now, that actually can be very helpful. If someone is a narcissist and it's about their company, they care more about the company as a whole, for instance, than they might about the individuals in it. That can lead a company to great success. Okay. And it has that we could go back through a lot of companies in the past that that was exactly what the case was. Um, so there is, there are medical clinical differences between uh, levels of narcissism, for instance, you could have a touch of it, if you will, versus you could be clinically narcissistic. Um, and there's definitely a difference between that sociopaths and psychopaths, which almost always are also narcissists, but all narcissists are not necessarily sociopaths and psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, uh, so I'm taking that most, uh, I'm guessing, that most of the companies you work with are larger companies. I've, I've had a career of uh, only two and a very varied career of well, 40 years in being a entertainer and having to get, take day job careers that turned into serious careers uh, to support. <laughs> but only two of those companies were large companies. Most of them were small companies. And my experience is this. Uh, generally, the senior management staff doesn't have any clue who and what 
the team that they the, who the people that work for them are i mean on an emotional level i mean on a personal level uh and yet they can also be effective so uh, does does that mean that um the, the it would seem to mean that we don't have they don't have to worry about the kind of things that you're teaching because they're being effective anyway is that am i reading that wrong yeah it, that would typically be short term people you know people work for managers that's the number one reason we leave organizations as the labor force shrunk globally um you know there were huge challenges with retention and with hiring so we tend to see this ebb and flow of kind of what can you get away with uh as a manager versus not um so that doesn't necessarily play out in today's world uh for sure and right, right now we are teaching a lot of managers and leaders You've got to spend more time understanding phases of unexpected change, the emotional um, damage, if you will, that's being done through this ongoing, constant, unexpected change. I mean, for God's sake, we've had everything from COVID to murder hornets, uh, <laughs> you know, and everything in between. So um, there is a need to, to increase awareness. There are different kinds of preferences that can show up different um so some people show up always worrying about others and considering the impact on others first and some people show up much more sort of what appears objective and logical on the surface they're more uh more focused on just results it you, most days most of us are blending those because you just simply have to in today's world you know 30 years ago you could get away with with really erring on one side not the other um gotcha. So. No, I, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I but uh, you know what? What's come up recently, and I, I've been a proponent of this, is uh, uh, the idea of we hire and when you're in, in senior management and the HR, it falls on the HR department a lot. We hire based on the resume be- rather than the people. And I think getting if you if you start from the right people and get to know the people before they get in the door, who are you and what makes you tick and are, do your core values and principles align with mine and and this company you're going to be much better off than if you're just going by resume and experience and, and skill sets I yeah. yeah i always say listen we hire values and we train skills right you you don't have the money or the time to teach someone the values of your organization right um, and that again goes to context and so, yes, I would generally agree with you. I mean, there are some core skills and abilities we're going to look for, but do they have to have had the same title, worked at the same kind of organization on exactly the same system? Not only no, heck no. Um, those are things I can teach. So there's this notion of what's called developmental difficulty. And it, values are you know so high on that scale that it's near impossible. Now, I need to define them clearly because words mean different things. Right. If I say responsive to you, I mean, 10 minutes, you think you have a day. So that's part of that whole exposing what my expectations are, what I'm thinking about. And, and I'm going to go back very quickly. You said I mostly work with large companies. Actually, my clients include everything from I'm working with a company uh, that's a startup right now, all the way to Fortune 50. So wow. I work across the spectrum. I've worked with dairy farmers, potato farmers, pest control, Google, Microsoft, Expedia, McKesson. So and uh, every kind of manufacturer you can imagine. So um, it really is what I'm looking to work with are people who are driven to be incredible and to bring others along with them in that journey to incredible. Well, I'm driven to be incredible. <laughs> I want to be incredible. Yes. Uh, does, doesn't I would think we all want to win. That's one of our deepest and most core instincts. We want to win. It's just <laughs> most days at work, people's definitions of the win are very different. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so if somebody's listening to this, and we will have you, probably 100,000 people listen to this in, in, in a month, uh, um, and they want to get you involved in their company because they want to, we did, we just touched the surface here. They, you know, we, we just scratched the surface here just slightly. There's so much to learn about this stuff and it's such an exciting, uh, <laughs> field to, to, to learn about. 
And again, and not to blow any smoke, but it seems like you're the only one that I've talked to that is really going down this route about it and, and tying this all to uh, much deeper things than the psychobabble new age kind of stuff that we get from, from coaches and stuff. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you or get, or get involved with you and get you into their company to give a speech or whatever it is, uh, how, how do they begin with that? The best and easiest way is probably go to the website. There's a contact form on almost every page. Just reach out and tell me, you know, you, you heard me on Mind Dog, and, and we'll certainly respond right away. Um, if you don't hear from me within 24 hours, it means somehow for some weird reason I didn't get it, so try again. Um, but we'll be very responsive. And, and if on our website as well, go into the store. There are a lot of free resources in our store um, that can get you some deeper understanding um, you know, you can buy the ebook on using your brain to win. It's like 15, 16 bucks. So there's some, you know, we've tried to kind of create things at every different price point to be very accessible to whoever it is um, that wants the help and wants to be even more incredible. Wow. Great stuff. I thank you for, for coming tonight and sharing this uh, with us. And uh, I wish you great success uh, moving forward. And uh, I, I hope some people take you up on it because I'm, you know, I'm really interested in, in this in this stuff. And it is very different from anybody else we've talked to in the business leadership uh, sector and all and any of that stuff. So I appreciate your insights and, and your knowledge and, and your time tonight. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. And to all of your listeners, I really appreciate your time and attention. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code Orion Q. Wow, Holly G. Green, I know, uh, I know that you, you know. As I said, we just scratched the surface on that stuff. Uh, I don't know how many people are as turned on by uh, um, the just the the intellectual stimulus for, for me there is just you know thinking about brain uh, function and how how our uh, brain ties into our behavior and how our behavior is really affected uh, or or affects our performance and it's it's just like you know data driven stuff like that uh, is is something that's really impressive to me and something I want to learn more about. And I hope you do too. And you know how to get in touch with it now. So hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you tell your friends about it and come back, follow that pathway back here 
as they say, uh, and subscribe and go to my YouTube channel and subscribe there. Go to MindDogTV.com. Get on my mailing list and uh, questions and comments for me, info at MindDogTV.com, info at MindDogTV.com. Tomorrow I have two guests, uh, one at 1 p.m. and one at 8 p.m. And here's the funny thing. Last night, uh, uh, Larry Jorgensen from the Coca uh, did the Coca-Cola Trail, the author of the Coca-Cola Trail, was with me. He's a Louisiana, Louisiana, that's how you say it, Louisiana. He's a guy from Louisiana. First guest we've ever had on from Louisiana. Tomorrow I have two. Uh, I have Billy Ackerman, who is known as the Cajun Catholic, but we're going to talk about leadership stuff and business stuff with him. And then tomorrow night, uh, a gentleman who just contacted me today. We were supposed to not have the program today, so... Uh, uh, Jeremy Van Winkle, who ha- has an, a remarkable story of how he changed his life from being almost uh, uh, almost pronounced dead, a, meth- a methamphetamine uh, addict who turned his life around and is now a business leader with uh, in the south uh, southeast, who's got an enormous uh, company that is growing and he's turned his life around completely. So he's going to share his story with us tomorrow night at 8 p.m. I hope you'll join me with, uh, then. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Thank you for coming tonight. I hope you learned something. I surely did. And bye for now. Your mind, you will be going soon.